0: hit us up on facebook and twitter download episodes of previous shows
1: The holidays are coming. The holidays are coming. It's all good. The Georgia Hemp Company with locations in Woodstock, Decatur, and Sandy Springs has a full line of your favorite CBD and hemp products to keep you cool and calm.
0: Like lotions, oils, and beverages.
1: They also have a full line of CBD for your pets. The Georgia Hemp Company offers full consultations, samples, and Georgia's finest CBD. Visit their three Atlanta locations in Woodstock, Decatur, and Sandy Springs. Or check out thegeorgiahempcompany.com. Georgia's finest CBD.
0: In this episode of the Courage Fire podcast, I'm joined by singer, songwriter, music teacher, and the front man of the folk band Water Tower, Kenny Feinstein. This is a great episode, man, because uh, Kenny and I got connected through B-Squared Management, another one of their uh, clients. And uh, we start the episode talking about... Uh, how Kenny was originally from Northern California, but spent his early years overseas due, due to his dad being a global music executive. And uh, we talk about his earliest memories of music being him crawling into his brother's room and finding a cassette Paula Abdul and putting it on and loving her music. Um, we talk about how... Um, having the opportunity to visit places around the world really makes a difference you know i share about how i've been able to be have traveled to six different countries and how that's just been able to really help shape the way i view uh opportunities becomes comes globally you know kenny talks about how he been fortunate to have book seven uk tours but remembers the first one in 2009, how that really got his fans not only excited about it here in the States, but also overseas. I will talk about how Kenny shares that when he first um, started with his band, originally called the Water Tower Bucket Boys, uh, he tried to emulate his musical heroes, but that started him down a path of battling with addiction, and now that he's headed down a path of sobriety, He only wants to put, as he says, clean water into the bucket, and that's definitely been the driving force behind his rebrand as well. Uh, We talk about why he left Portland was because it rained a lot there, and also one of the and he made a move to LA, and one of the ways he funded his move to LA was by playing in early morning traffic and earning tips. Uh, He talks about his music. Kenny talks about his music experience as a music teacher, and also being as being a hired gun for other people, as what brings him joy to be able to do what he loves. He shares about his experiences being a producer for on several uh, for several great artists like Tim Armstrong, Coffee Anderson, Mondo Cosmo, as well as having the opportunity to work with some great brands like Disney, Sesame Street, and The School of Rock. Uh, Kenny talks about again how his global travels have intertwined directly with his songwriting and how that really has just made a difference and poured really great energy into his the way he goes about writing songs uh, we in the episode talking about the origin, the history of his band and that when he first started out with his band at, at age 21 he talks about not being really ready for the success that he was having, uh, he talks about signing to an indie record label in 2013, the fact that it took him seven years to put on his album, how uh, all those experiences as what is really what has shaped his journey. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Encouragers Fire Podcast. is episode thirty-three, and I have got the frontman of a cool group called Water Tower. Kenny uh, said, how you doing, brother?
1: I'm great, Darrell. So nice to meet you. I'm so stoked to be here, man. Hey man,
0: I'm glad to have you here, man. Did I say your last name right? Yes, sir. That's right. Kenny Feinstein. You got it. Okay. Great, 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 man. So yeah, man, I was, um, yeah, you, like I said, you are another one of the B squared, um, artists, the clients that, um, that reached out to me, you know, um, so it's cool to, to, cause I love this, the block of you guys, cause you guys are normally artists that I wouldn't usually would not come across my radar as far as, so it's pretty cool to to uh, be able to get a chance to chop it up with with people that I wouldn't normally chop it up with. So, it's, yes. it's really cool.
1: It's super cool, and I love B squared. They're a great team,
0: and yeah. uh, this is going to be fun for sure. Awesome, man. So, yeah, so you're the founder of all things Water Tower, even though you have a bunch of, but you're the main guy. You're the main driving force behind it.
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, we started in, in 2005 in in high school, actually, as the Water Tower Bucket Boys. You know, we since kicked the bucket, but that's our rebrand.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about and we'll talk about that a bit later for sure, man. Uh, so you're from Portland, right? Live in L.A. right now?
1: Yeah, you know, we we started in Portland. Live in L.A. right now. Uh, yeah. From North Cal originally.
0: Right, and then you, but you spent some, but you spent, uh a lot of time overseas yes sir yes sir from first to seventh
1: grade i was out in singapore in southeast asia and then i was in mexico city for uh middle school and half of high school and then i came back to the united states and finished off high school
0: cool yeah so uh, yeah definitely that's awesome so what is um your first introduction to music you know uh really you know so like what would you say with your earliest memories of music
1: Wow, you know, that's that's a great question. Um, my my very earliest memory, I have two basically that stick out that have to do with cassette tapes. I'm very attached to listening to cassette tapes. And uh, I actually have a tape player in each room of my house. There's, mm-hmm. there's one right behind me there. But uh, okay. my first memory is crawling into my brother's room and uh, looking in his trash can and seeing a Paula Abdul tape in the bottom of the trash. And okay. I, was four. Okay. I was four, so I put it on my tape player and I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, he still makes fun of me for it. He's like, there's a reason I threw it away, but I love Paula Abdul. I love her first record and Straight Up yeah. and
0: all that stuff. So that yeah. got me into it all. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Cool, man. Um, like you said, you know, you, you spent some time, first and seventh grade, you know, overseas. Um, so talk to me about how that that those experiences, it's funny, can I can actually have this question twice from here, but we can still talk about it. But, um, like, you know, obviously you, your dad was a global business executive, right? So that's kind of what kind of prompted you to, to spend some time with you. I've been fortunate. I've been to six countries, so, I, so it was pretty cool to see other parts of, parts of the world. I often tell people that, especially uh, if you've never had a chance to travel, if you have a chance to see other parts of the world. I highly, highly suggest it. For sure.
1: Yeah, where were some of your favorite places to Yeah, I've been
0: I've been to Mumbai, India, which is my favorite place I've I've, I've seen. I've been to Valencia, Spain. Wow. I've been to Luxembourg, uh Conference. Uh are you familiar with a conference called Me Dem? Have you ever have you ever heard of Me Dem? It's called Me Dem, M-I-D-E-M. It's in the my- largest business, music business to it's a B2B conference, and it's in Conference. So, about eight hours, I think, eight hours south of Paris, I think. Okay. And Cannes right. is, like, a really small town, but that's where, that's where they have the Cannes Film Festival and all the type of stuff like that. But so right, like, two weeks after the Cannes Film Festival, they have this thing called Midem. and it's in Cannes, and it's where all the global music industry comes together. So usually there's 75 countries that are represented every year, and I've ch- I've had a chance to go there three separate times 2016 2017 2018 I uh, didn't go on 2019 and obviously the last couple of years last year was a digital version and this year they're going to do another digital version but um it was really cool experience because that's where i built a lot of my international relationships throughout the music industry so going to that conference and and so yeah so um been to France three times that's pretty wow cool. I want to go to that conference yeah 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 <laughs> well definitely I'll send you a link for sure when we'll, you know' we we'll get off of here but it's definitely um if you're really somebody that's really into kind of building the bit building out your business you know and really care about being um you know you know global it's a great conference because you know people if you go to, if you go all the way to conference you're usually pretty serious about your career you know, and people that go there, I tell people all the time, you know, there's opportunities for people all over the world. The problem is people just don't know you exist yet. So sometimes you have to go to the other places so people can find out that you exist and create out and give you these opportunities, these platforms for you to be able to um, expand what you're doing on a global reach, you know, because I tell artists all the time or creatives all the time that, you know, you may not be big in America, but the world is huge. And so, you get a chance to see, or to get a chance to be seen in the other parts of the world who may not speak the language, but they still love what you do. It's a win win situation for you, I think.
1: It, it's so true, and you know, it, it reminds me of the first. We did our first UK tour. We ended up doing six or seven of them, but our first one I booked on MySpace back in two thousand nine, and mm-hmm. it was the best thing that we ever did for our career. That jump started it and helped to reinvigorate our fans back home in the US, but also got this, you know, more worldwide fan base.
0: Yeah, man, it, it's it's definitely. I have I have many friends in the UK have not been over there yet, but um, yeah, man, when you can when you can go to other parts of the world. And see that, wow, you know, I might not be big in America, but they love me what I do over here. It definitely keeps you encouraged to keep going, you know, and and I think that's a major, can be a major tool to help, a major, major opportunity to help artists stay encouraged, you know, when, when things get hard and things get difficult, because will, it will happen, you know,
1: <laughs> along yeah. the
0: way. If you're in this long enough, you will get it's frustrated. It's yeah. For sure, you know it's just what it is, man. You you're in this game long enough. Sometimes you will, you know, you will have those those, unfortunately, those seeds of doubt creep creep in. But that's where you gotta you gotta stay encouraged and 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 often keep going. And that's why I try to tell the artists that I work with and that I consult with is that look, it's not a matter of if it's it's when you know you feel this way because it's gonna it happen to everybody. It happens to everybody.
1: <laughs> it happens to everybody. It's so true, and and I always think of like Tupac said: "Through every dark
0: night, there's a bright day ahead of it." You know? Absolutely, you know it's gonna and it's gonna be right. And I think a lot of times we see the end result of everything. We don't really see what goes into all of that, and so a lot of times we start to. Think, you know, I preach this all the time: stop comparing yourself to other people, because that's that's where you start to drive yourself crazy, because. Mm-hmm. It's a natural human instinct to want to be the best at something and have the quickest quick success at something. And, and when it doesn't happen, you feel like, man, like, am I doing something wrong, or I'm gonna find my it's my manager's fault, or I'm gonna like you know you know are, are, you know they they look for somebody else to blame. You yeah. Know? Sometimes it just things just take time, you know, and think and it's that's the hardest part of this whole thing is is I call it hurry up and wait. Right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's that's one of my favorite terms in this business because you can have all your ducks in a row, and you still gotta wait. And then I also always share with people that too, you have to get a little lucky too. And it doesn't mean it not in a bad way, but I call it serendipity. Like, like, you have to get a little bit. Things have to kind of fall your way sometimes, you know. And you have to be ready to take advantage of opportunity. There's something you can't just yeah. You need to work hard. You need to do the best you can, but there's something you just can't plan for you just have to you know you just have you just have to be ready to say yes and let and let the universe work it out you know? hey, like
1: you i really like what you said is that you got to be ready for the opportunity because i believe that luck is the combination of preparation and
0: timing just like yeah. you said exactly exactly you know and every and everybody's journey is different everybody you know from reading your bio man you've obviously you've had a heck of a journey with your band and everything you've been doing it and the journey is different for everyone there's no straight line to success and i think if if, if there was a straight line we'd all follow it
1: <laughs> you know <laughs> we could just
0: stick to the line <laughs> yeah you know and it just it just doesn't you know because everything about art is subjective right the only thing that's so When thing the only thing that's subjective and or objective when it comes to music is the technical side. Recording, mixing, mastering, that type of deal. Because there's a standard for that. You can judge it based off of a standard. Mm -hmm. Once it becomes, once you put the art into the marketplace, now it's all subjective now. It's what somebody else likes. Doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that it's what somebody likes or doesn't like. You know, if if you if you're judging something based off somebody else's opinion, that's what I call people who try to chase the industry. You know, they're chasing the industry. And what you're doing is you're chasing somebody else's perception of what they think is good. You know, and I always tell people that if the goal in today's music industry should be find your tribe and serve them. I try to I try to appeal to the masses because you probably won't, you know? And I think that's where it's changed now because we're no longer in the days of a record label-driven industry uh, where the record label could control everything. You know, in the day of the DIY, you know, you have so many more artists out here, craves out here doing their thing that it's much, diff- much more difficult to actually... Control what's going on, but you know, I, but I think it's great for the DIY space.
1: Yeah, I mean, you touched on so much there, just like, especially we're in a different climate now where the, the record labels are trying to figure out how to get fans now, and that's all we've ever needed, you know, and they have money to throw at it. But as an indie artist, as a DIY, you know, we the power is ours now with social media, being able to connect across the world, and just, mm-hmm. like you said, to find your tribe and serve them, man, that's so, that's so yeah. heavy.
0: I think that's, the, yeah, because if you're trying to compete with the masses, you know, when you don't have a machine behind you, it's, 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 it's an unfa- it's an unfa- it's an unfair fight. There's no way I use the word fight. It's is you just don't have enough resources to be able to do what major record companies can do as a, if you're an indie, you just don't. The one thing they do have is they have resources because they have corporate pockets and they can do different things that you as an independent just can't do just because it just, you just, it just, the bandwidth isn't there, you know? Uh, Yeah. Doesn't mean mean you're not good enough. Doesn't mean you don't deserve it. It just means that you don't have $150,000 to start radio. If it doesn't work, you know (laughs) what I mean? So, you know, type of deal. So yeah, for sure. It's
1: so, no, it's so true, man. Kind of talking about the journey, not being a straight line, you know, like for me, I, I, uh, I went through addiction and that was kind of me chasing the industry, my version of it. I get what you're saying about chasing the industry. I had a, a vision of what my heroes did, you know. And uh, uh, okay. I thought in order to to be able to do this thing, I had to kind of do what they did. And I ended up chasing my addiction deep, deep down. And that's how I kind of was able to come back. and Like we were talking about the rebrand, you know, we kicked the bucket and we're water tower. Now. We only put clean water in the
0: tower at this point. Uh. Gotcha! I love that, man. That that's what I love that 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 that. Thank you for sharing that, man. Because you know, uh, hopefully, that can be an inspiration to somebody else who may be listening to this when we put it out, and who might be struggling with that too. Because you know, it, it, it's it, you you do watch that, and it is tough sometimes to because in, as you're going along this journey, there's so many things that get thrown at you that you have to navigate. There isn't a book or manual sometimes to say, "Hey, how to deal with certain things." And then people who are chasing fame, you can't quantify it, right? You, there's no, there's no measure that you can quantify. It's fleeting. Once you get to a certain level, you think, "Oh, well, I've made it now." But it's like, I've to me, fame just doesn't seem like it's a whole lot of fun, you know. Uh, again, they've been famous, so I can't really speak to that, but. Um, <laughs> it just seems like people who are chasing that because I think what it is, is that people automatically think that means success. Oh, people know who I am. So I'm successful or people I'm famous. So I think. So people are naturally a lot of artists who oh, I want to, I want to be the biggest act in the world. I said, well, do you know what that entails? Like, are you, are you, are you ready to really handle that? Do you know what that looks like? You know, uh, people who go on reality singing shows, um, you're American Idols, you're The Voice, things like that. I'm um, not prepared to capitalize off of all of eyeball seeing you, right? Shout um, out to my my colleague and friend, Brianna Rella. She actually has a Reality Signature Academy where she teaches artists because she used to. She was on season four. I don't think she made it to the big show, but she. Made it, she made it to Hollywood on think, season four of American Idol, and she says that she put together this camp to actually show people how to take advantage of being on that show because it, 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 most people get on that show with all these people and they don't have a website. They don't have anything to capitalize off of that. Like, all these people see you every week, and then, okay, now you, let's say you get off the show. Now you're right back in right back square one again because you didn't really know how to prepare to even take advantage of an opportunity like that. But people are just going on these big platforms. They say, "Oh, if I go on this big platform, people will see me, my career will take off." And I'm like, "You know, it could happen that way, but you know, it might not."
1: <laughs> and, and most likely, a lot of times, not. You know, one thing that I learned from one of my heroes, uh, country singer Cafe Anderson, he he taught me you have to be ready for success. He's like, yeah. you, "You have to be ready for it. When it
0: comes, you need to be ready right then. So you need to be prepared right now." Yeah. I agree. And most people, it's when you say that because most people aren't ready for success. They're not ready for, I think this goes across any industry, right? You know, the, because people want the success, what success gives you, but they don't want to do the work to get there. And achieving success is really hard. You know what I mean? Even what I do as a consultant when I'm coaching clients, like, so, you know, I work with majority independent artists who are at the ground level, who aren't as advanced as you are. They're even less advanced than you. And who really need my direction and guidance. And unfortunately, with that, is most of them at that level don't have a lot of money. So, right? So, trying to say, hey, this is what my fee costs, you know, and then them paying that, and then in the meantime still having to pay for other things. So, they don't understand, yeah, that's just my fee, but that doesn't mean that everything else is free because you pay this. You know what I mean? So, I think they realized real quickly that being in this, being, pursuing this career is a very, very expensive career.
1: It, it man, it is an expensive, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because I don't actually have a lot of money myself. I'm at my parents' right now. But I have a little place in L.A., you know, it's, it's an apartment that I rent. But I, I want to tell you a little bit about, like, when I left Portland seven years ago, yeah. I left for two reasons. Number one, because I was trying to get away from my addiction and my playground where I used to use and, and right, be right. a crazy person. Number okay. two is it rained half the year there, and so I couldn't perform out in the streets. So I came to L.A. because of the sunshine and for recovery to get better. Okay. My problems came with me to L.A. But the thing was wow. that was beautiful, the way I've been able to help fund my career and what I do still to this day is I get up early in the morning with my homies, with the band. Sometimes there's five of us, sometimes it's one of us, and it's a rotating cast of all kinds of people. Okay. And we stand there for the people in traffic going to work from 6 a.m. till 10 and just practice our, honing our craft, but also getting tips so that that's how we can fund ourselves in the industry. Just make our success on the road there and meet people B2B like that
0: that's awesome. You know, look, that's, that's cool, man. And, 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 hey, whatever works, man, whatever works to help you get through whatever, it, it. That's I, I love to hear that. Cause everybody's, everybody's story is different. You know, everybody's story is different and what works for one person may or may not work for the other person. And, and that's okay. It, it's just about sort of finding um, what works for you and believing in that and not giving up when things get hard and difficult because that's inevitable. It will happen. It happens to everybody. You know, you are going to, if you're in this long enough, if you haven't faced any adversity, you haven't been, been in long. enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. <laughs> everything's always been pretty simple, you know, for you or easy for you. You haven't, you had to like, just give it time. You you'll, 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 When you're doing something positive, especially in this space, you'll always kind of deal with adversity. You'll deal with some kind of adversity along the way. Stuff you didn't expect to have to deal with. It happens. It happens all the time. You know, you, you remember
1: that the setback is the setup.
0: Exactly. Exactly. man. I love that. I love that, man. I'm glad you're doing better now. and You get where you got to be. That's awesome. So, yeah, man. So you you have a so you have a B.A. in jazz performance, right? Yes, uh, sir. Yes, sir. Um, uh, from, from the University of Oregon
1: yeah Yeah. i I was lucky enough to study a little jazz man i i I make my living in hillbilly music but i i'm uh i love jazz
0: (laughs) gotcha (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, Yeah, for sure man and then you've obviously spent time you know gigging and then you as a studio musician as well as um welcome back to the quickest podcast ever brought to you by Coles. today's topic the holidays it's that time again yeah, So I went to Kohl's and got 30% off holiday decor and St. Nicholas square finds for the table. Perfect for the fam and started on my gift list with toys. My kids will love. Okay. You're convincing me. Oh, and did I mention the extra 20% off and the $10 off when you spend 50 bucks? Kohl's here. I come select styles offer ends October 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or com for details. You know, being a hired gun player for other people and teaching a lot. So, you know, Um, talk to me about that, like how those experiences have have, have kind of shaped the journey a little bit, you know? Wow,
1: man. You really did your homework. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I've just been, I've been lucky and fortunate to do what I love my whole life. You know, like since I was a kid, I knew I I was skateboarding and playing guitar age 12. And I just, I knew at that time I got, I got hooked on playing guitar outside of a target when I was 12 and I got a $5 bill and that was it. Like I just, I already love music, but the fact that people would hand me money for it. So that's how I became a teacher when I was uh, fourteen by accident because all my friends I was trying to start bands with everyone I was hanging out with and they, they didn't have instruments so we'd get them an instrument or they get an instrument and I would just show them how to play so that yeah. happened out of necessity because I just love playing music and I love to to share that and teach that and uh, you know I, it just sort of it all came out of my love for music and you know now that. I'm back in life again, so to speak. I get to enjoy every moment of it and all the connection and getting to talk with you. You know, this is, this is such a, I'm on the bonus round, so I'm winning. You know what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Hey man, you know, um, I I totally agree. You know, I I try to take the, you know, take the, take the great opportunities that come along the way. And, um, i am love to share knowledge and, 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 you know, and, and share content. If you look on my social media, you know, um, I really kind of branded myself as somebody who just likes to share information and knowledge and and really have the core of my message being uh, to build that audience that that, that cares about you. Right. So I think, you know, uh, that's just my thing about just, you know, trying to be, do the things that make me happy. You know, and I sense that with you, that you kind of say well.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I just, I really love how you talk about that, you know, build your tribe, build your audience, because that's how, like, we've come back, Water Tower, myself, like, getting able to uh, talk with our old fans and meet new fans, especially during the pandemic on Facebook, on Instagram, those are the people who keep it, you know, so, some mornings, you know, might make, wake up and, and and it's a tough morning, but but I know there's people who are depending on the music that we bring and it's not about me. It's it's about us. It's, we're all the same person, in my opinion, and we're all part of the same thing. And so it's it's not about me. It's about us.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I love that. Cool. And so you spent a lot of time producing albums for some well-known Grammy Award winning major label people. Tim Armstrong, you mentioned Coffee Anderson, uh, Mondo Cosmo. Am I saying that right? Yes, sir. And, and- also, you've recorded for Disney Sesame Street, you know. Talked to School of Rock, the feature on Netflix. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk to me about some of those, some of that stuff. You know, about the the production and, and and getting involved in that, and obviously some of the projects with those people and those those great organizations like Netflix and and, and Disney and I mean Sesame Street. Those are iconic. Sesame Street is icon- an iconic thing, you know, I mean, I was at SeaWorld the other day uh, a couple months ago. Cause I live in Orlando? So uh, I was at SeaWorld for my buddy's National Party and they had a bunch of people out there for sesh, I'm like, Man, this is this is they've been around since what, the seven, sixties, seventies? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, and still going on. These kids today are still, you know, so that's an iconic brand, you know, Disney World, you know, Walt Disney, an iconic visionary. You know what I mean? Um, Obviously, with Netflix and 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 the people that you that you work with, so that's pretty impressive.
1: Well, thank uh, you, man. To
0: to have the people that you work with, man.
1: Well, I really appreciate that. I've just been so blessed and and so humbled. Um, You know, I can I can really say that those successes, most all of them, have come from me just every day doing what I love, but. Bring a lot of those all came from me standing out in the streets of los angeles like i said with my band for years we've been doing that and we still do it and so people know us and a lot of, like the the netflix you know i worked with cafe anderson who i met out busking on the street because he came up performing on the street in santa monica for seven years is how he got his start and so you know we met like that worked together for a couple years um you know, getting to work with Tim from Rancid was great. Got to co-produce a country record with him for an amazing artist named Rosie Nolan. You know, he's he's my hero, Rancid. I love them. So that was that was really cool. Getting to work for Disney. Got to help design some of the uh, Alexa sounds for some kids' apps. And then Sesame Street was just a crazy random one. We were playing at somebody's wedding, which we love to do weddings. And uh, a guy come up and he said, hey, can can you come and uh, play on Sesame Street? We said, of course. And it's called and the Pigeon if you want to go see it on YouTube. and okay. the Pigeon that's the band who's we're just backing up this counting pigeons exercise it's super fun
0: oh very cool no that's awesome man and again you're talking about iconic uh powerful international brands like that so you know no that's nothing to to sneeze at for sure i don't care how small the opportunity was or the work for it's just amazing to to put that on your resume it's absolutely pretty cool
1: thank you durell you know i really appreciate that and it really just has come from me standing out there on on the road, getting to play fiddle, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you know, and, you know, and, and and that's cool because some people, some people, are like, oh, what, what is he doing out there? But you've allowed to, you've allowed you, you use that to create opportunity, and all you can ask for is an opportunity, right? It's up to you. What's the opportunity presents itself, it's up to you to take advantage of it. So, yes,
1: sir. You know, and but the, I will say that there were a lot of hard times, you know, like the instrument was the thing that kept me hanging on to earth for many of those years. And now the instrument is the thing that I get to express myself and help other people hang onto the earth with.
0: For sure, man. I love that. I love that. You know, um, and you talk about, you know, your global travels intertwined with your songwriting, obviously. So fromage, right? Which has yeah. to do with the experience that you had on tour, I believe. What trying to order a sandwich, you know, again, and you know, again, going to France. I'll tell you a story. Um, so whenever I go to France, and you know, we stay in there, call them flats, right? You know, I'm talking mm-hmm. about the little flat, of yeah, the, you yeah. know, apartments. So at the Palais, which is like the big convention center in Cannes, let's say we're all with a big event. They always have a big event usually going on pre, you know, pre-COVID. You know, we always have. And as soon as one conference moves out, the other one's coming back in, right? So mm-hmm. of course when we stay, when we go to when we go to France, you know, um, everybody can walk around the city, you know, walk around downtown. But for me, it's harder because I walk with crutches. So I there's no way I'm walking around France, you know, on foot. So it's just having to to you know, speak English. See people with French. I to order an Uber. <laughs> you know, or, or, or call an Uber or something like that. Or uh, you know, i some of them. Some of them could speak some decent English. You know, but but uh, it's it's interesting, man, when, when you're out there trying to communicate with the, uh, with the with the French. You know. Yeah,
1: yeah. You're point. You're doing some pointing and stuff. Right. Exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Uber, <laughs> Uber, yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. nice
1: though. Did they help you out? They're nice people. Yeah, yeah.
0: Right? yeah. A lot of times, you know, because you know you got to well, you, you got to be careful because sometimes they'll call you on the phone. Obviously, if they call you, you can a use WhatsApps. So you know, because you might run your bill, you might run your, your, your bill up. So you got to be careful, like you know, if they can't they call you regular on the phone. So if it comes through, you got to be careful because you start picking that phone up. That's that's international enrollment charges on your phone. So. <laughs> you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be careful with that because so that'll, that'll run your bill up, you know, pretty quick. Real quick, but, yeah. That's
1: funny. Yeah, no, I, I, uh I'm actually learning to sing a French song, a Cajun French ra- song, right now. But th- it's true that when we toured in Paris, the only thing I learned to say was "Je veux du fromage," which is "I like a cheese sandwich, please." And I said that a lot when we were there.
0: Yeah, man, that's awesome. You know, I mean. The thing with the thing with Europe in general is that the food's way better over there. Um, and it's interesting is if you go to like France, like you go to like you go to like a steak and shake one. You know, the steak and shake here in the States is mm-hmm. like nothing it's like whatever. When you go over there, it's literally gourmet, man. It's like they serve beer and wine. At least when I was in Cannes, you go to the steak and shake, they serve beer and wine in there. It's normal, you know? You can get wow. beer and wine and steak and shake. The burgers are like these gourmet. I'm telling you, it was, it was, I mean, the food in general, because the food and drug laws are different. So they have, it's actually better. It's cleaner and better over there. But, mm. um, but yeah, man, that's interesting. That's interesting, yeah. man. I like that. I, I, I love that. So, how would you say um, you, the song, your songwriting and your global travels like, have really, have really, like I said, you've intertwined it. Like, if it, as it would you say, really influenced your uh, your songwriting, your, your, your global travel. That's a really good question, Daryl. And uh, yeah, I would say you know, especially
1: with that song "Fromage," you know, because there's a there's a verse in English, a verse in Spanish, and a verse in, in French. You know, in Spanish, I learned out in Mexico City, so it, it's just sort of you know. Sometimes I'm thinking in Spanish, especially living in in LA. Where I live, um, everybody speaks Spanish or or Filipino or Tagalog, all these different languages. And so for me, it's always just been natural to incorporate those different sounds and what I'm hearing. And for me, music is a reflection of what's going on outside of me. I'm just sort of channeling it. Um, So, yeah, man, that's that's a great question. I just love I love all the different cultures.
0: Yeah, man. I think like I said before, man, when you get a chance to see other parts of the world, uh, it it does it gives you just this great perspective and it gives you this this uh, this joy for life like you know and how P- how other people live and it's 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 an exciting time you know it really is yeah. it really is man I no, want to is- talk I want to talk about kind of the history you know we, as we end the episode man I want to talk about kind of the history of, of Water Tower and. and and the origin of, of what's about. So, you mentioned earlier, like, so the, the water tower bucket boy. So, I guess at that time you talked about, it wasn't clean water you were doing. It was, it was, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah, it wasn't, it, we had started that way. It, it started off innocent enough in high school, you know, water tower bucket boys, we were playing by the water tower. Our first base was a gut bucket turned upside down, like a washtub uh, basin upside them? down with a broom handle and a rope. And so we were just, you know, we were kind of like punk rock in that sense. We love punk rock, but we loved the, that movie, Oh brother, where art thou and the music in it and stuff like that. And we love partying too. And, and so it was, it was our friends partying, having a good time and, uh, then all of a sudden we're touring the world and we're 21 and um, it, it was the same thing I'd been doing since I was you know 12 or 13 in my bedroom but now I'm doing around the world getting paid to do it and getting free alcohol and right. so that kind of I, I wasn't ready for that type of success I was still just getting partying with my friends and then it, yeah. it went it that mm. sort of habit took over
0: mm. right uh, and and you know. Uh, addiction's real, man, and you know, those type of things, you know, can happen. And like you said, that's that's a big thing. And we talked about it earlier about being ready for success, being ready for what it is you want, right? And most people aren't, and that's that's a reality that most of us don't want to hear that we could we think we are oftentimes, so like you know, like are we really aren't. Once once we do have that, you know, uh, you think I've said this all the time. Kid like Justin Bieber, right? When you when you're hundred, when you're when you're worth one hundred fifty million dollars before the age of twenty one years old, they think the kids not going to make mistakes. There's kids that make mistakes, in him that don't and have who have who don't have two hundred dollars to learn it. So if you imagine a kid at that level who's a global, international pop star, and he's worth he's hundred worth a hundred million dollars before he's aged before he's twenty one. To think he's not going to make mistakes is just ridiculous to me, you know? Um, Good point. <laughs> you know? I mean, because, again, we're not, to me, you know, talk, talk back about fame. As human beings, to me, I don't think we're really designed to deal with that. You know, again, to deal with what comes along with being that. You know, of course, we're not celebrities. We don't know what it's like to be a celebrity. But I even saw something about Shaq yesterday on Instagram saying, that he doesn't even want to be considered a celebrity anymore because it's crazy right now. You're like, Shaq, like, you know, I mean, and most people who are celebrities, if you probably ask them, they probably don't really like the fact that they're celebrities. They probably don't like the fact that they can't be normal people, you know? how do they ever set out to be celebrity. They just want to be great at what their craft was and being famous just I guess came along the way. But, you know, yeah. yeah. So it goes back to what I was saying about a lot of times we're not ready for the success that we want
1: at the level that we wanted it's so true man it's it's so wise you know and and that brings me up to a little more current of like we played a show two nights ago and i was i could barely help from crying because i was so grateful to be successful just playing with my friends for my friends and being able to you know afford to pay the band and and sing sing play music like that's success for me just doing what i love to do so
0: absolutely Yeah, being able to afford to pay the band—I'm serious because, you know, it's 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 it's, sometimes it's hard to do. You know, you know, to get a promoter to to because to travel with a band's expensive. You know, and and and, you know, and to want to pay them, make sure they get paid, and the expenses that come along with touring is. It's a lot. So yeah, like you said, that's a blessing in itself, be If you feel forward to pay the band and take a little bit of something for yourself, you know, for the night is a win-win for everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, bringing us together for some group catharsis, man, singing and laughing, that's what it's all about. Exactly. Decorating time. You know, I think artists like to decorate space and, and I think as musicians we like to decorate time.
0: Exactly, exactly. So I, I read also that it was a time when you were concerned that the band might not make it, you know, that the band might not. So talk to me about that. Like what kind of and like you said, you know, I think every band goes through that at some point. And then I get you started kind of focusing kind of on your own solo stuff when you had some of those concerns.
1: Yeah. You know, around 2012, 2013, 2012, we were on a big South by Southwest tour. It was going to be like this 30 day huge thing all around the U.S. we were playing all the big venues, all the big radio. It was like the tour we'd always wanted, you know. Yep. And that was where my addiction came to a peak and everything, you know, every, everybody in the band quit who the guy I started with and everything. So it was just me. And, uh, you know, I focused on my solo record, signed with a label out in Portland and wasn't sure really what to do. I was struggling with addiction and so ended up starting to go to rehab and stuff like that and to turn it around and to rebuild the band. And, you know, that was about, you know, that was 2013. That's a while ago now. But yeah. that was when I started the rebuild. And we finally put the record out in in the middle of the pandemic in 2020. So I spent seven years trying to get this record out, fly around.
0: But- yeah, so I was just thought that was my next day I was going to talk about. but. You touched into it, yeah. It, it, it that's a long time, you know. Obviously, you know, cutting the deal with with uh, well, even before that, before we get to that part, um, you reached out to Don Bowles, am I saying it right? Yeah, Don Bowles oh, from the Germs, right? Right, and he had a psychedelic rock background and powerful. but this is a folk album, yeah. yeah so it was <laughs> like that was interesting to like get him to produce come and produce something that he probably wasn't normally asked to do. (laughs)
1: Exactly. You know, Don Bull's a punk rock legend, drummer from the germs and and a psychedelic. That's what he does now in glam and stuff. So, but he was such a consummate musician. I loved his drumming so much on and I just loved his energy. And and the thing about our music is we're based in tradition of, of American music, but punk rock is the energy and our ethos that we believe in. So to bring him in, it Was the perfect. It was the way to tie the whole thing together, um, you know. And and he really made it happen because I was in rehab a couple of times and on the phone with him, and he was doing the record while I was in rehab. So you know, this it was a team effort, really.
0: Very cool, man. Very very cool. And like you were saying, you know, you started doing the record in 2014 and finished it in 2019. And then is that so you got you can't cut a deal with the with um, Dutch Records? Am I correct?
1: Yeah, Dutch Records out of Portland, great record company, and right. they help. Right, so are you, are you still down. with
0: them now? Are you still with them now?
1: Yeah, we're still with them, and um, you know, they're they're really great Portland record label, and uh, so, just independent. You know, I love
0: that. So, talk to me about talk to me about that experience. Talk to me about the experience of being signed to a, to an indie. Now, are they are they fully indie? Or are they distributed by? Are they? Are you guys? Are they doing everything for their own independent distribution? Like how? How's no? How's it's actually distributed
1: through Orchard, actually. So it's like okay, okay. independent, but through Orchard. Um, cool. and so yeah, so it's it's basically you know fully independent, but they they, I guess anyone can now kind of depending on who they know can connect through Orchard, right? Maybe yeah. through Save or something. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's so, it's great, man. It's it's just nice to have other people who care about our music and who will help us you know, put it out. Um yeah. you know, it just just more family to, to to spread the spread the word and the love, you know, I I really like working with, with them. Awesome. So.
0: And, and and what made you kind of stick with the fly around record? Because like you said in the bio, most people would have been like, okay, we're signing a new deal. Let's just go work uh, scrap this, you know, and go work on something else. You know, but you I guess you felt a real you felt I guess a conviction so that like, I want to stick with this and, and get this thing done
1: good question bro i mean i felt indebted this record the thing is i had been i told people it was going to take three weeks i told the people who started recording i was like this album is going to be quick we'll do it in three weeks and then we had actually crowdfunded it in 2014 so our fans oh, okay. bought the record seven years before it came out and so i had to get this record to our fans because
0: uh, gotcha.
1: i had promised them you know what i mean Gotcha. Gotcha. So it was definitely that conviction. Uh, otherwise I probably would have scrapped it, you know, because listening back to it, you know, some of my, cl- you know, close friends, they said they can hear me kind of slurring on it. It was like, I was a very tough period over the, you, it captures different periods in my life, like of recovery. Yeah. And so some of those times I was really not doing so, so hot. So, yeah, you know, the, the new record we're going to make, I'm excited because I'm fully present now.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Um, and you say fly around, which is obviously the, the title of the album, you know, it's been a very important song that you've had different versions of over the years. So. Um, so why would you say it's one of your your important songs for you? Uh, that's, that's a really good question. You know, fly
1: around. It, it's based in tradition. So it's, a, it's got this old archaic melody that probably hopped upon from Ireland back in the day and mixed with our culture in you know North Carolina and, and came over with, with the slave traditions from Africa with the banjo. And out of it was born this square dance type of tune called fly around that people used to dance to. And it's a wholeheartedly American thing is the bringing back these, bringing these cultures together as one. Right. And, uh, so that's what tied me to the music initially. And then I really lived the experience of these lyrics, which I used to think were so simple. And after I experienced a lot of tough t- times in life, I realized how simple lyrics really are the most uh, telling for, for what I was going through. And I can really relate to them a lot more after experiencing them.
0: That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Cool
1: man, Thank you, man. Thank you. And there so, are other versions. There's a fly abound with with a B. It's later in the album. It's like a slowed down version of the song. And like, it's just like a, it's more like psychedelic and indie, you know?
0: Very cool. Very cool. And um, so you're saying, you know, it's been a long time and we're going to end it here. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been a long time for your, for your fans. And what are you hoping that obviously now the album, I mean, the album was out and I will follow about a year or so. Yeah. About a year now. Yeah, so how how do you feel like the the has been received? How do you feel like now that you have got it done and put it out? How man. do you feel like? It, it, it sorry, what was the last thing you said? How do you feel like it's been received so far? Since you since you put it out,
1: it, it feels like it honestly feels like a slam dunk, man. Like I just I can't believe just it, all the it wasn't just me. It was this huge team and our fans who we call the Owls, like the bird, the Owls. They were the ones who helped you know carry us on their wings to get this album to fruition so just to feel this team effort that came together to slam this thing in the goal and uh people love it people tell me how they sing that they they sing the songs and and band, some of my favorite bands are covering our songs like I, I can't believe it man it's it's like i'm living in my dream i'm literally living in the thing that i've dreamed that i wanted to do so i'm just so blessed bro
0: Oh, man, that's so great to hear, man. It's great. I mean, that's why I love this podcast, where I'm able to, you know, share help a lot of people to share their stories and things that encourage and inspire them. You know, obviously, me being born with a disability and trying and out here in the in trying to, you know, make my way in the, in the music business, and you know, and it's tough because there's not really even a blueprint for me as far as like people that look like me and, and have some of the same experiences that I have. You know, trying to trying to make a way as an executive or whatever you want to call it, somebody behind the scenes trying to do what I do. So, you know, anything I'm all about being an inspiration and and encouraging people. So I I totally I totally feel you on that, man. That when you get to live, do what you love to do. And it's not even about the money. Money's cool, it's important, we need it, but you know, it can't be the driving force for whatever it is you do. Your purpose gotta be bigger than money, I always say. Yes, sir. cool man man so where can people find you at man where can they find you how can they connect to you
1: well thank you for those inspiring words um Drill. They, they can find us at uh, watertowerband.com and all of our socials are at watertowerband tiktok twitter instagram twitch all that stuff
0: <laughs> awesome man well look guys there you have it. it's been another great episode of the encourage and, and and it's and this is your host Darrell Peard. Until next time, I'm out of here. Peace, peace. I love your vacation home. How much time do you spend here?
1: As much as we want. And when we're not using it, we rent it out. Our amazing team cares for and markets it on all the major booking sites. What team does all that? Vacasa. They manage everything, and I see it all on my phone. Plus, they've been earning us over 20% more after I switched from my last property manager. Your vacation home earned you that much? It's not a vacation home. It's a Vacasa home.
0: Get your free vacation income estimate to see how much your vacation home can earn you. Call 800-544-0300 or visit vacasa.com
1: And the rule to saving on motorcycle insurance is, in 15
0: minutes, GEICO could save you 15% or more. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.